It is Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Jets and Browns, Week 2. I'm John from Locked On Jets here with Jeff from Locked On Browns. Jeff, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, uh, look, getting through the season here, um, obviously, you know, John, uh, both of us, you know, highly anticipated Week 1s. Neither one of us, hopefully, yeah, so sadly enough, it did not go the way we're um, either of us uh, expected. Um, but, John... It was a busy day in Florham Park today. Um, so why, first off, why don't you start filling everybody else, uh, everybody in on you know what went down today? Well, the Jets made a trade. It was their first trade with uh, the New England Patriots in close to two decades. They acquired Demarius Thomas uh, for a sixth round pick in 2021. Uh, so you know, a surprising move on one level, but on another. Adam Gase, the head coach of the Jets, expressed a lot of frustration with his receiver core for their performance in week one. And Thomas is a guy with a history uh, with Gase. So from that standpoint, not surprising. But it was, it was it's surprising anytime the Jets and Patriots actually agree to anything because those there's a lot of bad blood between the, those two teams going back decades. Uh, yeah. And look, I mean, look, Thomas is a player. And look, Jameson Crowder um, obviously has been a nice addition at this point, which, you know, a- anybody w- would have picked up on. Um, and, and here in you, know, you, John, you know, I'm a New Jersey guy, a lot of Jet fans. I think a lot of people are very high on Sam Darnold, but it seems a lot of people have questions about what exactly, if it's going to work with the receiving core that's in the building currently with Sam Darnold. Yeah, my hunch is that Thomas, when he steps in, is probably going to take a lot of Quincy and Nunwa's playing time. Um, who was I, just extended? Who was just extended before by Gase, the former GM? Who, who before <laughs> Gase was hired? Uh, yeah, the Jets extended one of their receivers before they hired a coach, uh, which tells you a lot about the way things have gone the last couple of months for the Jets. But I, I think that there, Nunwa had a bad game on Sunday. I think he had like one catch for negative four yards. Uh, so I, I mean, I think if you look stylistically, Thomas is probably the guy who comes closest to Inunua's style because you have Robbie Anderson who's more of a deep threat. Although Gase did call Anderson out. Uh, Crowder's more a slot guy who's going to work the option routes, things like that. Whereas is more uh, a physical receiver, you know, a guy who does a lot of his damage after the catch. So I would expect Thomas to take, if Thomas is inserted into the starting lineup, which I would presume he will be because he played, you know, he's got a lot of experience with Gase. I mean, it sounds like this was a Gase move Gase wanted to upgrade the receiving core. I'm, I'm presuming it's going to be he's going to be taking some playing time from Quincy and Nunwa. Yeah, uh, it's. You know, I mean, look, it's almost like there's too many mouths to feed as far as names. Uh, it's going to be interesting how it plays out with Quincy and Nunwa, who was always appreciated by Jets fans, but you know, injuries and stuff like that. I understand, but uh, kicker moves. Uh, somebody's gotten ourselves a six-game rip. Uh, never a dull moment in the NFL. No, yeah, this is the Jet, the Jets brought in Sam Ficken, who spent uh, preseason with Green Bay, I believe, and he kicked back years ago at Penn State in college. And this is the Jets, I think, fourth kicker in the last six weeks. They started the preseason with Chandler Cantazero, who missed two extra points in the preseason opener. Also had a really rough training camp. Uh, they brought in Taylor Bertolette, who did not work out, and then. Uh, Corey Vedvik, who missed an extra point and a, his, a field goal attempt in week one. So this is take four for the Jets. They, of course, had uh, Jason Myers last year who went to the Pro Bowl. He left in free agency. Uh, you know, a move that has 
generated a lot of controversy letting the Pro Bowl kicker go. Personally, I didn't really have a big issue with it because I think kicker performance is kind of erratic from year to year. But even if you were okay with letting Myers go, they just have really not addressed, just have not done a good job with the kicker position. Um, it, it's not much different in Cleveland. And actually, we were actually, Cleveland fans had eyes on this, whether or not Greg, Greg Joseph was going to find a way to win that tryout. Um, Greg Joseph won the kicker competition this summer for Cleveland, but they put a fifth-round pick on Austin Seibert, and obviously they were not going to stray away from that. And, you know, one for two on Sunday, first kick in First Energy Stadium, shanked an extra point. So um, kicking, uh, you know, you either have it or you don't is pretty much where it is in this league right now. You know, Jeff, I think that this is the Misery Loves Company version of Crossover <laughs> Wednesday here on the Lockdown Podcast yes. Network. Because, <laughs> we're, man, we're both having miserable starts to this 2019 season, aren't we? Uh, I mean, look, I, it's, I, I don't think either of us expected it. Um, you know, obviously, you guys were the nice, you know, you guys went up early 16-0. Um, for us, it was the most highly anticipated season or opener ever. And with 17 minutes to go, they cut it to 15-13. to 13. And it wasn't a truck that went off the cliff. It was like a, like it was like shot down going off the cliff. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit and no waiting at the pharmacy. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. You get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. So, Jeff, I want to ask you about how things look right now in Cleveland. And I, I always think that in the NFL or in any professional sport, one of the biggest differences is between, you know, being a feel good story like the Browns were a year ago where, you know, things start rolling. Well, you get a little momentum and then maybe the next year when you're facing big expectations and teams have you on, you know, kind of circle you on their schedule. Was there anything you saw in training camp preseason that suggested that, week one was going to go the way it did? There really wasn't, but actually watching it through week one and, and watching through it, uh, the thing that came to my mind is, is look, the Browns, they're not a veteran team. They're still a very, very young team. And they were very cautious about what they did during the preseason. Very limited. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. didn't take a rep. Jarvis Landry did not take a rep. And you know, if these are going to be your money guys with Baker Mayfield, you know, there still needed to be some work to be done. There's only so much you can do in, you know, scrimmage, quote unquote, or practices. And, you know, and the undisciplined style that these guys played with, I mean, it was six unsportsmanlike, like 16 penalties, close to 180 yards. That's stuff that needs to be pounded out. So the NFL's either got to figure out how to do this. And look, you know, the preseason, it's exhausting. So, I mean, you know, there's always the talk of the 18-game season and, you know, maybe two preseason games, but there's just so much to it. But, I mean, if you're that young of a team and their average age is under 26 on offense, under 26 on defense, you can't 
act like you've been there and done it before. They need to show more in the preseason, and that's probably what showed up in that week one shellacking. And it was just, you know, but look, I mean, you lost your left tackle who got kicked out of the game. Then you put in your swing tackle, left tackle. Um, your right tackle gets beat like a drum and gets your left tackle hurt as Baker Mayfield gets sacked for a safety and calls a high ankle sprain to your swing tackle, left tackle. Now you take your right tackle and you put him a left tackle. You know, they're still going to start their same starting offensive line this week, but they, it's just a week one recipe for disaster in that respect. And it was just, I mean, it was, as far as the pressure of it, they probably needed it. Look, I mean, they've been told all off season and all summer long and national media coming in. And now there's national media pundits who just want to bash them because they haven't done anything yet, which they haven't, which is totally fair. Maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they needed to get smacked around the block to say, look, you know, you're a whole bunch of individually talented players, but as far as a team, nobody's proven anything yet. And you talked a little bit about the offensive line and then the preparation I've done studying about studying for this game it seems like to the extent there might be a worry area for the Browns on offense, it is the offensive line. What, what are your views on that unit? Well, the offensive line, though, if you look at it in the general census of it, the general breakdown of it, it's one new starter as opposed to last year. Look, Kevin Zeitler was a fantastic player. I ballied him for a pro. He, I thought he should have also maybe been mentioned for all pro. Um, but look, in the grand scheme of things, what is more important, right guard, or a pass rusher. Pass rusher is always more important. And I love Kevin Zeitler. He, he's been on, he had been on Lockdown Browns. Him and his family were fantastic to me. But as far as positional importance, that wasn't the issue. Um, but Eric Cush was not the problem on Sunday. He was not. Um, so he did his job filling in at right guard. It was just the fact that you already got, you went to offensive linemen six, seven, and eight in a snap of the finger. And Baker was out there, and it wasn't with, you know, he had not had much of a time with Odell Beckham in real game situations or Jarvis. So I think the whole thing, it was just a recipe. It was just a recipe that led to nothing, absolute blandness. And that's where it all fell apart for them. Um, I think they're, they're going to be okay. Look, Odell still had seven for 70, you know, plus in, you know, the way it all worked out. Jarvis Landry was able to get open, contributed in the running game, was able to get open for a big, a deep one. Rashard Higgins, there's going to be a question there whether or not, you know, a little bit of a knee thing. Um, David Njoku was able to find his way. You know, Nick Chubb still got his four yards per carry. I think they just got so far behind the eight ball so quickly. And it certainly didn't help that their first drive went 87 yards for a touchdown. So they got to almost kind of like buy into their own hype. But it was just, it just got so much so fast. And the way it all kind of fell apart. And I don't care if whatever level of football you're playing at, you cannot get penalized that much and expect to win if you're playing, you know, Tennessee, you know, everyone will make their jokes about them, but they, they got talent there. You know, their offense is kind of bland, but it kind of gets the job done. Their defense is good and you know, they know how to take advantages. And it just, it just it was a downward spiral that just happened. Like, I mean, literally it was almost like a sinkhole. That's how quickly it happened. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Odell Beckham and Baker, Baker Mayfield haven't played together much. Uh, I'd imagine the Browns receivers have to be licking their chops at the thought of going against this Jets corner group because it was an ugly week one for the Jets, uh, Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson. Well, I mean, you think if, you know, um, if John Brown, you know, and it's not to discredit John Brown, but if John Brown had a hell of a day, 
Um, and there's also this aspect of it is Odell Beckham Jr. is going to go into the stadium in a MetLife. And look, I know it's not the Giants, but it is the Jets, but it's his old home. And, you know, Odell got blamed for everything. If the popcorn didn't have enough butter, if the soda was flat, you know, if the beer taps had too much foam, it was Odell Beckham Jr.'s fault. Anything that went wrong in MetLife Stadium, he's definitely going to come in there with an axe to grind. And look, Trumaine Johnson is not the matchup for him. Uh, I mean, for Trumaine Johnson, obviously. So I think that he's going to probably, and this is going to be the one where he wants to put his name kind of on the map as far as Cleveland Browns. And, you know, look, Baker, the one thing about Baker Mayfield we've seen is when he struggled to this point with the Cleveland Browns, he comes back with a vengeance and all guns a-blazing. He does get a little excited, and he does try to, you know, hit a grand slam when nobody's on base. This has always been Baker's kind of things thus far with Cleveland. He gets into bad quarters and bad halves, not necessarily bad games, but he gets into a bad little stretch during the game. He's going to be ready to go. And look, I mean, it's going to be interesting because obviously with the Jets possibly looking at 0-2 to go to New England or the Browns possibly looking at 0-2 to have to play the Rams on a Sunday night game, neither one of these teams is in a good position if they walk out of this game at 0-2. Uh, Jeff, I mean, it's not just the Jets 0-2 going to New England. It's 0-2, then New England, then bye, then Philadelphia, then Dallas, then New England again. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, the Jets are, I, I said, you know, week one was a big game for the Jets because you look at this early schedule, you got Buffalo. I mean, no, no disrespect to the Buffalo Bills, but the first, you know, six games of the year, that's the game you gotta you gotta register a win. And the fact they were not able to do that really makes this a critical game for the Jets. Um can you take us a little bit through the Browns defense? Uh obviously Greg Williams no longer there. Greg Williams now in New York. So talk about some of the key players on defense and maybe some of the schematic changes from what we saw last year when the, on a Thursday night when the Browns gave Sam Darnold a ton of trouble. Well, I think it, it, um, it, one thing I was hoping for with was with more depth on the defensive line, there would be more rotation, and um, but that wasn't the case. Uh, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, so mu- almost all of the snaps. Um, Jannard Avery, who had a fantastic rookie year with almost eight, with eight sacks, didn't dress week one, so that's a head scratcher. But the defensive line overall has improved. Obviously, bringing Sheldon Richards. You bring in Olivia Vernon. Everybody knows about Miles Garrett. Larry Ogunjobi is one of the most underappreciated interior defensive line players in the NFL right now. Plays the run well. Plays the pass well. Uh, Joe Schobert, Christian Kirksey took every single snap. Uh, there was very, there was, I don't even know if there was a down where a third linebacker took the field. This four-two-five thing with the Browns is legit. Um, it's the, you know, the money backer, that type of thing, whatever you want to label it, the big nickel, Jermaine Whitehead, Eric Murray, all these guys rotated in with that. Uh, Denzel Ward played sloppy in week one, got a very, very handsy, um, it was a little out of the realm for him. I mean, a third and three holding penalty. I mean, that's just, you know, football IQ. I mean, don't get it in that scenario. Uh, so that's something to look out for, uh, you know, Demaris Randall still, you know, a solid part of this. Morgan Burnett, there was a point over the summer where we were like, it wouldn't shock us if maybe Morgan Burnett didn't make this team. Played every snap. So I think there's not much rhyme or reason what's going on there, but there's a lot more teeth to it. Um, Mac Wilson, the rookie linebacker, who was a huge talk of the summer. 
barely saw any snaps in any base defense. So it's going to be interesting how they how they adapt it week to week. But this four two five, this is legit, and this is the way it's going to go. And it's two linebackers on the field. Um, Joe Schobert's athletic enough to do it. Christian Kirksey, we're still not sure the numbers were good. Um, you, know, you saw he's still. I mean, he's you know at this point he's probably not going to get back to the full athlete he was. Um, but it, it'll be interesting because these guys, you know, it, it's going to be about stopping Le'Veon Bell first and foremost before you can do anything else with this team. So we're going to see how that all plays out. All right. Well, so before we flip sides and Jeff starts asking me some questions about the Jets, uh, just give me a couple of keys to victory, you think, for, on the Brown side. Um, it's going to be just reestablishing, well, reestablishing or reigniting confidence. Um, I, I think that's, you know, they came into it confident and it didn't work out. And, um, you know, Odell's going to have to check his watch because apparently that's been a big story recently. <laughs> Um, so they're just going to have to get, get back to it in, you know, hungry. Yes. Odell Jarvis, look, these guys are tight and Baker. They only sit together. I think they need to reestablish the run. Um, there were some times where it was second and one or even third and one and throwing the ball, whatever. I mean, run the ball, get yourself three fresh downs. And, you know, it's not that like they weren't running the ball well, ball well. I mean, like stuff like that is just getting like too cute, too pretty. Don't do nonsense like that. Um, and it, the other thing is with Baker is take each drive as it comes. Um, even if you're up 10 or down 10, all you can do on any given drive is whatever that drive gives to you. So if it leads to a field goal, if it leads to a touchdown, or you get 35 yards and you end up punting and you flip the field, take each drive as it comes. You can't take the entire game within each drive. I mean, that's just going to you know make you, you know, senseless in that point. And I think the pass rush needs to get with it this week. Um, no false start. I mean, you know, obviously no neutral zone infractions, uh, no late hits. And part of what you saw, though, is every time week one is always seems like when they call the most penalties, because like there's always been the offseason of, oh, we want to emphasize this. We want to emphasize that. And you know, the refs are ready to, to throw a ton of flags. It starts to dwindle down as the weeks get on. But you got to get after that quarterback. My bookie is fast and easy, and they pay when you win. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? If by second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, uh, you know, obviously uh, John B. Over, uh, John Bushko over here from uh, Locked On Jets. We're rolling on through here uh, through your uh, crossover edition. Uh, it will be the Monday night, which is interesting because uh, it's 0-1. It's 0-2. Um, a lot of promise, but we'll see where it goes. But obviously the storyline here is Sam versus Baker in Monday Night Football. John, first things first, um, if, say, this doesn't go well, say, Monday night for the Jets, and then, obviously, like you said, New England, where does this all work out with Le'Veon Bell? Um, to this point, obviously, been a fantastic part of this, and, you know, everything's... But we're getting to this age, John, where there's Antonio Brown and so many other players where it's so me, me, me. What happens... If say the Jets are zero and three, where's Le'Veon Bell 
going to be as far as the rest of this roster, which is, you know, there's a lot of talent as far as the young guys. Look, they need probably one more draft, one more offseason. Is this going to stick together? You know, that's the question. And I think that, you know, it's not just Bell. I think there are, there are lots of guys you, you can ask that about. But, you know, you talk about Bell and – I think when the Jets signed him, you knew that they were taking kind of a calculated gamble because this is a guy who has some degree of baggage. And, you know, it's like you said, um, you know, these things, if your team's winning, everything's going well, hey, it's going to work out just fine. I think that that it's a it's a very valid question how things are going to work out. And I think that, you know, in signing Bell, it was kind of a gamble the Jets had to take because the way I looked at it was the Jets needed to add a premium playmaker to help Sam Darnold out. And I mean, what else were they going to do? They, they had the second most cap space in the league entering the off season. And I mean, the, this was the only player. I mean, the, the only, you talk Odell Beckham jr. The giants were never going to trade him to the jets. That's just the way, I mean, the, the mechanics of the way these two teams work, it was never going to happen. Antonio Brown at the time, I thought it would not have been the right move. I think that looking at everything that's happened, it's difficult to say that the Jets made a mistake not trading for Antonio Brown. So Bell was really the only guy they had, the only really premium offensive weapon they could get to sur- get to surround Sam Darnold with. Um, so to answer your question, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think that, but I think that was part of the risk the Jets took when they signed Bell. Is I, I think that they were rolling the dice because they knew that this was the, really the only way they could put a premium offensive weapon around their young quarterback. And they really needed to do that because last year, too much of the offense, too much of the playmaking burden was put on Sam Darnold's shoulders. They needed to do something to help him out. Uh, yeah. And look, I mean, look, you can't blame them because look, I mean, you, you know, you can't take it with you essentially with cap money. Um, but it's going to be interesting if it doesn't work out well, because we're in this era now where it's, I want to be paid like the greatest, the greatest player at my position, but I also want to win too. And which is so weird in this respect, because it's like, well, you can't have a, you know, you can't necessarily always have it both ways. Um, but on the flip side of it, CJ Mosley, that one is looking like it's coming up roses to this point. Uh, he played a phenomenal week one game. He was involved in a couple turnovers. I mean, heck, there was one. He ran better with John Brown than Tremaine Johnson did in this game. There was one. <laughs> there was a couple of plays where he carried John Brown down the field. Unfortunately, he actually got hurt. He pulled, he uh, suffered a groin injury. Uh, car- it looked like it was kind of like a Tampa two. I didn't watch the all. I haven't watched the all twenty two film on it, but from watching it live, it was kind of like it looked like kind of like a Tampa two play where he was carrying Brown down the middle of the field and ran pretty much step for step with him. Uh, you know, in the middle of a lot of plays, he got hurt, and that was—I mean, that was a big turning point of the game because I think the Jets were—I think the Jets were pitching a shutout at the point he left, and then when he left the game, the next next drive, the Bills were ripping off you know twelve-yard, fifteen-yard runs left and right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, mostly looked like an impact guy, and he did—he did leave that game in the second half. But their their early reports have been positive. It does sound like Jets are expecting him to play this weekend. Oh. For the Browns, we would we, we wouldn't be happy. I mean, look, CJ Mosley, you want to take the week off? You're getting paid well. That'd be fine with us. Um, but this was one of the things, and you know, John, you know, obviously, you know, me growing up here in New Jersey, you know, I know the Jets well. I know I'm inside now. Ton of you know Jets fans, friends. Um, I believe it was only one sack, and it was Jordan Jenkins. And I will tell, I'll give Jordan Jenkins that that may have been the best pass rep I've ever seen him pass rush rep I've ever seen him take in a Jets uniform. But you know the question is going to be: Can they, you know, get 
pressure on Baker. And look, I mean, this Browns O-line, they were really good towards the back end of 2018. I mean, a lot, maybe a lot of it was luck. And I think some players played above their heads. But where is the pass rush coming from with this, this Jets defense? It's going to ha- it, and it did not week one. You're absolutely right. The pass rush disappeared. Aside from that, it, as you said, the great Jordan Jenkins rep, probably the best best play of Jordan Jenkins' yeah. career was that strip sack on Josh Allen early. Uh, it's In theory, it's supposed to come from the inside, and it's supposed to be Leonard, Leonard Williams and Quinnen Williams. Now, Quinnen Williams also suffered an injury. He's dealing with, a, I think it's a sprained ankle. Leonard Williams, uh, it's always been the question of, He's guy who's done a lot of the dirty work very well. It's always been a question: when's he going to start filling up a stat sheet? And it hasn't happened yet. And you know, I was thinking, I was thinking today about preparing for this show, thinking of some some of the questions you may ask. And I, I think one of the conclusions I came to was that Jets have a lot of issues. They're going to have a lot of issues matching up with these Browns receivers. And maybe the one area where the Browns are a little weak is the offensive line, but I mean, I just don't know if the Jets have the players to make them pay for it. I, I really don't know that the Jets have the pass rush to pressure Mayfield and uh, maybe compensate for their deficiencies in the back of the defense. And that was even one of the things I was thinking because at the time when they drafted Jakai Polite, it almost seemed like the all right, you know, here it is. You know, everything went terrible for the kid. The draft, the draft process, every. Maybe you stole something here, and maybe you can just get a guy who can straight up get after it. And obviously, that turned into a another crap fest of a, you know, I mean, a hundred thousand dollars. And you think about this kid with his Twitter handle of retire moms. I pretty got his mom has a really nice basement because Jakai Polite's going to probably be there for a few years, if not a decade. Um, and so they just kind of, you know, in the Jets who were in, you know, with limited draft choices, it was. They, had, they were in no position to miss. So, I mean, that's where it got really weird with that. Um, Jamal Adams, year three, where's he at? Uh, you know, tremendous year two, second team all pro. Uh, really did a little bit of everything. He was a, an elite uh, run-stopping safety. He was elite as a blitzer. He was he was not – probably the weakest point of his game was coverage, but he still was not a bad cover guy. He was still a pretty solid cover guy. Uh, week one, he had a rough game, I thought. Um, you know, I talked about when Mosley went out of the game. The Jets started giving up some big plays on the ground, and it wasn't just Mosley leaving. I mean, Adams was taking a few bad angles, overrunning a few lanes, uh, getting himself caught in traffic. So not a great week one, but expectations are still pretty high because I think you know Adams really established himself as one of the premier safeties in the league a year ago, so the Jets are looking for him to maintain that level. I don't think there are a lot of guys you could say are impact players at the safety position, but Jamal Adams was one of those players last year. Uh, so the Jets are expecting big things, and uh, his partner, Marcus May, uh, had a strong week one, and May... The question with May is can he get on the field because he had a pretty solid rookie year, uh, 2017. Yep. He he was not bad. He was pretty good last year when he was on the field, but he was limited. He I think he played he probably only played about six games or so last year. Played a strong uh, strong game in the opener uh, against Buffalo. Had one interception that was wiped off by a holding penalty that was away from him. And second one that he made a great break on the ball. He just dropped it. So I mean, he easily could have had two interceptions in the opener. So. The corners are weak for the Jets. The safety play is expected to be a strength, though. Okay, now, um, no, this is one that all my Browns fans are going to want to know. 
Um, we're assuming Jamal's closer to the line of scrimmage. Now, is Marcus May lined up in, like, the camera view, or is it, like, 22, 25 yards off the line of scrimmage? I mean, we've only gotten one Greg Williams game so far, but that's the role I've been anticipating him to be in. And, he, yeah, May is going to be the deep is, is going to be the deep middle guy for the bulk of the plays, I would think. So he's actually lining up in New York because that was always the joke here. Um, you know, and they started with Jabril Peppers, and it was, you know, the angel position, quote-unquote. And well, – the- well, Jeff, he'll line up in New York, but you have to remember that MetLife Stadium is in New Jersey. That's what I'm saying. So that's that was always the joke, though, because they used to jo- they used to joke that Jabril Peppers was lining up in Cincinnati, even if it was a home game in Cleveland. Um, and I'm only wondering how long Greg can go without having somebody that's just going to be able to get after the quarterback, you know, down in and down out. And that was even the thing, you know, because it came here with Miles Garrett was stop worrying about everything else, just you know, just blow past the tackle and go get the quarterback. And there were games where it worked out great, but there's games where it was uh, a little bit questionable. Though. Yeah, it's a it's a question mark for the Jets, and that was actually one of the things I was a little surprised with with Polite is that you saw him in the preseason and he was dropping into coverage a lot. I mean, they were having doing a lot of different things, and I would have figured that they would have just given him a simple job, get up the field. They didn't really, and not and not that that's the reason he was having issues because of mean, course he was i mean he was up against guys who aren't even in the, in the nfl right now and was getting stonewalled but i was a little surprised that they didn't have him take on a more simplistic role but yeah i mean right now i don't know what they have as pass rushers um well uh yeah i'll give you this john um you haven't lived until you've seen 335 pounds of danny shelton dropping into a hook to curl zone and not getting the job done and getting both the food getting pulled off the field for not getting the job done Greg Williams is fun. He's interesting. Um, he's got his, certainly got his own style to it. Oh, I, said, uh, I, I was at training camp this year, and I said that I would. You, you're not allowed to like say the things the coaches say, so I can't repeat anything. But if they like had a reality show where the cameras just followed Greg Williams around all day, I'm pretty sure I would watch it. I, I would like drop everything I'm doing to watch it. He's just the most interesting, one of the most interesting people you'll ever see. Oh yeah, no, he's like your—he's like the angry old uncle who you know you can't repeat everything he said, but like when you're behind like closed doors from other people, like everybody laughs about it. Yeah, I mean Greg's, Greg is, whew, and um, you know I think he's still a little bit aggravated with this franchise that you know he didn't really. I mean they were never going to hire him. Look, Greg Williams is never going to head a coaching job in the NFL again. He should just be happy with what he can get. But uh, yeah, I mean Greg—he is never not somebody you want to keep your eyes on. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. Absolutely. I guess we got to get to predictions here, John. Um, we probably would have been flexing our muscles if we did this about a week ago. Yeah, well, I think. <laughs> and this week's a little different. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll start here. Like I said, I think this is going to be the one where Odell Beckham Jr. makes the difference. Um, look, uh, Nick Chubb, you know, I, I still think he can, you know, obviously you know, do well. Um, the fact that Mosley's you know, nicked up. Quinn and Williams, look, I mean, guys, you're all paid well. If you want to take the week off Monday night with football, who cares? Um, but I think Odell going into this building, I think he's got a lot to prove. And right now, I don't know if we have faith in either one of these teams putting up a ton of points. And, you know, as I was saying to earlier, some of the people, um, they'll never make all their extra points. So if I want to say 27 points, it'll actually be 26, which is certainly second extra point. I'm going to say 26-17 Browns. 
I'll tell you what, Jeff. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think that this is actually. Oh. I'll, I'll, I think that this is actually. We gonna, did. We did the same thing last year, though, too. <laughs> I think that this is actually going to be a high-scoring game for the reason that I feel like these offenses are both going to regress in a positive direction or progress in a maybe it's progress in a positive direction. I feel like these these teams are not these offenses are not bad enough that they can be. No. They they can struggle. And I know the Jets aren't the most, the Browns have more talent on offense than the Jets do, but I mean I've seen hopeless Jets offenses. I've seen Jets offenses that have no talent, no chance at all. This team is does not. I mean, this team has more talent than what they showed week one, and so do the Browns. So I think this is going to be like one of those fun games. I think I think this is the type of week where the two young quarterbacks go out there and. Uh, both play good games. It may be like one of those last team to have the ball wins the game. So I'm going to go, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go Jets in a shootout. I'll go Jets 35-31. Oh, so we're both going to have to go to like what, what's working about what midnight Monday night. Oh yeah. Um, but no, there's talent there, but um, you know, look, Robbie, Robbie Anderson can ruin anybody's day. And you know, if each of these franchises go the way they think they're going to go, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold's going to be a thing. And it's going to be a thing for a decade, if not more. And, you know, all these quarterbacks who are getting paid in their extensions. This is going to be a thing. And it's, you know, it's going to, you know, these guys are going to always compete against each other. And obviously they had their first taste against each other a year ago in that Thursday night game. Um, I'm all for it, John. It makes business good for me. It makes business good for you. Um, maybe it's a little more high scoring. Maybe. Maybe it is. Um I mean, maybe I have a little bit more of a bland taste in my mouth from what happened Sunday for both both teams. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun one. And it, you know, I'm only looking – I'm certainly looking forward to the way the Monday Night Football crew is going to present this. Because, uh, you know, normally it's, you know, it's your upper echelon teams and it's two 0-1 teams and somebody could be sent down that bad path. It's going to be interesting how it all plays out, you know, television-wise. Well, Jeff, it was a pleasure doing this with you, and hopefully if uh, of course. Sam, Sam and Baker pan out, maybe we'll be doing a few of these in January and years to come. Well, that'd be nice to actually, you know, I, it'd be nice to not have to go to draft coverage that early. Absolutely, John. Yeah, I, I was thinking today, uh, you know, it would be nice to have a couple seasons where the Jets are playing meaningful games after the Yankee season ends. <laughs> That's always my thing is because, you know, I'm a huge Met fan, so it's like, all right, Mets, just get me to training camp. So we still got September. So like, hey, a little bit of both going on right now. But you know, exactly. Ex- yeah, that's what you're looking for here. A little, bit, a little bit more on your plate here. Um, and you know, look, it's, you know, Browns fans, Jets fans. Look, it's one of sixteen. Wash it off, and let's just see where the cards. I mean, did zero and two? The percentages aren't great. The zero and one, nobody really matters about that. Those percentages actually usually work out pretty good. So let's see how it plays out. All right, well, Jeff, it's been a pleasure, and thanks to everybody out there for listening.